Hello everyone, we are excited to bring a series specific to the hot topic, current state of recruitment industry. With COVID, the operating model has shifted a lot of how we all work, collaborate and add value to the business and customers. So this episode will feature an IT and a digital recruitment business founder, Australian Computer Society and River City Labs recruitment partner and mentor, connector and collaborator and speaker. Please welcome Nicola Steele to the show. How are you going, Nicola? Very good, and thank you very much for having me. Um, it's fabulous to talk about one of my favourite subjects, not COVID, recruitment, of course. Um, but COVID is on the on everyone's uh, vocab nowadays, of course. So I'm very excited I'm, I'm, I'm to meet you both. So. Awesome. Excellent. So we will start with a question which is more preferred by the audience based on the number of episodes that we have done. The life mm -hmm. journey, you know, life journey of who you are, where do you come from, and what decisions have you taken uh, to be who you are today? So if you can share that, that will be awesome. Thank you. And I think it is a really great question. And you find out so much more and it sets the context for the rest of the interview. And I've, I've found that as I've done podcasts myself. Um, so I grew up in Yorkshire, in the north of England. Um, uh, and um, Emily Bronte country, um, all that kind of thing. Judy Dench uh, went to school near where I went to school, not at the same time, I hasten to add. So I had quite an idyllic childhood growing up in Yorkshire. Um, my dad worked for a textile manufacturer and we also had a small farm as well. Had horses, it was lovely. Um, and then after I um, graduated from school, I went to university in the Midlands um, and then did the London thing and worked in London for 10 years. Um, I loved it. I was such a girl about town. Initially, I worked in newspapers, um, selling advertising space. And then um, in the late, actually, it was 1999, um, I got the opportunity to work in IT recruitment. So that was 22 years ago, um, which is pretty exciting. Um, so I did that, uh, worked in London until uh, April of 2005. And then I had a baby in May of 2005. Um, easy pregnancy, not too bad on the birth front. And then in July of 2005, I collapsed into a coma. Um, very long story. This could be a podcast for about two hours in terms of all the reasoning why. But basically, I got meningitis, encephalitis, transverse myelitis, was in a coma for a month, woke up paralyzed from the neck down, was in a wheelchair, had to learn how to walk again. I can walk now, because of course you've never met me, I can still be in a wheelchair now. Um, and it was an extremely hard journey. Uh, my husband and I had been married less than two years at the time. Um, so it's an extremely difficult time for him with a wife in a coma and a brand new baby. Uh, but luckily, we, we were friends before we were married, so we're still married now. Uh, so he was a tremendous support and also a really difficult time for my family. But 
What was also really key and what really changed my attitude to the world, because I was quite spoiled, idyllic childhood, wonderful life in London, having all the opportunities there, and then being quite invisible. Nobody sees you really when you're like that. And I was treated so well by the nurses there. Um, for example, one time I couldn't wash my hair and I hate having dirty hair. Um, and one of the nurses, she had a hair appointment herself. And before her hair appointment, she came in and washed my hair for me because I couldn't, my arms didn't work, nothing worked. Hmm. And it was that kindness that really changed my attitude. So one of my key values is kindness, compassion, um, and also empathy as well, which has really led into my business. Um, and then also about diversity. So I, as I say, you know, I was a woman, but a, a woman, woman isn't a minority group. In fact, there are more women than men in the world, I think. But in terms of the importance of diversity, whether it's gender, whether it's race, whether it's disability, etc., became much more important to me because of what I'd experienced. Um, so that happened. Um, that child from 2005, who is there, the black and white picture there, she's about three, she's 16 now in year 11. And then I did actually go on and have another baby, which is that one there, um, Jasmine, who is now 11 as well. Um, and then my husband got the op a job opportunity to move to Australia when they were one and six. And at first I said, no, they were one and six. And then I thought, actually, they're one and six. <laughs> they're so easy to move. And we were so lucky. We were treated really well by the company that brought him over. Um, sorry, I'm, this first question is taking a long time. <laughs> Uh, and came over here and had I had my own recruitment business actually after I got a little after I got better in 2006 in the UK um, for six years until we moved to Australia but then I moved to Australia and I didn't really know anybody so I didn't have any networks um, and then had to go back to agency which to be honest with you, I didn't really enjoy because I'd had my own business for six years. I'd had freedom. I, it was like going back to 1999 in terms of everything was the same, except I wasn't. And I found it really frustrating. And then I set up JJP, which is Jessica, Jasmine, um, and I'm pointing the wrong way, but Purdy, that little black and white dog that you can see over <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying you can see the picture um and that was uh a few years ago and that's just grown and grown and grown so that was a kind of potted history with a few different aspects brought in but um so there you go <laughs> thank you Very thank you sure. yeah it's certainly an interesting story with lots of highs lots of lows and and, and that's life for you yeah exactly life should never be dull is what i say and i don't think i've lived lived a particularly dull life if i get in a comfort zone i'll be like this is nice and then i'll be like do you know i'm really bored what can i go and do now?
What can I do? And actually, one of my thing, one of the things my late father-in-law said to me is you only ever regret what you don't do. Hmm. Uh, so when we got the opportunity to move to Australia, he they didn't want us to go, but he said that and that's always stuck with me. Um, do it, do it anyway. What's the worst that could happen? So that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Nicola, in terms of you briefly talked about your migration story and I think we three of us have migrated to Australia and I think nearly at the same time, about yeah. seven, eight years ago. Uh, I would like to know from you that what was your experience and your challenges to start your career or your life all over again when you migrated here. And especially if you can talk about few things that you've learned that could be really useful for people who are looking to either migrate to Australia or to any country in the world and mm -hmm. uh, which could help them. Absolutely. So obviously I'm English speaking. So I didn't, I'm English. You think the culture in Australia would be the same as the UK. They seem very, very similar. I was brought up on home and home and away and neighbours. The dog would know it's his tea time because he'd hear the neighbour's theme tune. So I assumed it was all the same. Everything would be the same. It would just be on the other side of the world, be more sunshine, more beaches. But even, I mean, you, you two would have had a bigger difference, but there is quite a lot of subtle differences. Um, and you guys are down in Victoria, I'm in Queensland, and Queensland's a completely different way of working as well. And all these nuances and things that you have to pick up on. So it's not quite a simple move as you think it might be. Um, so we moved here in April of 2012, so nearly 10 years now. It goes so quickly. Um, and apart from that aspect, having young children, I can't remember whether your children were born here or not, whether they did. Were your kids born here? No, no. They're no. all born in India. Mm. Yeah. So the challenge of having little children and not having any family support. So when we were in the UK, we'd be out every Saturday night because we could give the children to granny and grandpa or nana or whoever, mm -hmm. but you don't, they're with you 24 seven. <laughs> and I love my kids, but sometimes it'd be nice to have a break, uh, which I found particularly challenging, particularly, I mean, the youngest one was nearly two, the terrible twos, my goodness, she yeah. took them with gay abandon. Um, it took her a while to get out of them, if I'm honest. So I think that's one of the biggest challenges. We could, yeah. we could resonate the same same thing that we went through as well. So I think I yeah. like the way that you actually prioritized your decision-making. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great feedback uh, for our audience, for sure. Um, if you want to get serious now in terms of the recruitment industries and, and way mm -hmm. forward, I just want to quickly talk about why did you even start a recruitment agency first? Well, like many recruiters, I kind of fell into it. Um, so my husband was recruiting. Um, he was working more in uh, the kind of rail engineering space. My sister was also recruiting um, in the marketing space. Uh, and Advertising sales are kind of similar because you're selling the potential of something rather than 
a specific product. I'm, I'm picking up a mouse. So it's not something that's tangible. So there are, are quite a few similarities between the two of them. What was quite funny though is my, so I mentioned my husband who was my boyfriend at the time and sister and my father goes, is anybody actually doing any work around here? You all seem to be recruiting. And <laughs> But um, so but I just really loved talking to people and hearing their yeah. stories and making could, an impact. I could see that. Yeah, well, thank you. And um, as I forgot to mention, I did a, a geography and archaeology degree, which is totally irrelevant, but it's not because it gives you that curiosity about learning about different people, different cultures, finding out things. Um, so yeah, I was really excited to do that. And uh, my knowledge of IT was fairly limited, but I can learn very quickly. And also I get bored, as I mentioned, quite easily. And what I love about tech is it changes so quickly. Um, and this, I initially started recruiting purely C and C++ software engineers. Um, and now obviously it's diversified and changed and there's so much variety to, to keep you on your toes. So, so that's really good. So I think the question is that, uh, especially last two years, you know, it's like a lot of things have changed um, and the borders are closed. Have you observed any changes in terms of uh, recruitment opportunities or job opportunities for potential candidates in Australia? Mm -hmm. Are there any key areas which are getting more demand as compared to the others? Yeah, so there's lots of demand. Um, the This time last year, it was a completely different story. It's like you flicked it round 180 degrees. Mm -hmm. um, there is so much competition for candidates. Uh, hmm. Candidates are getting multiple job offers. They can only take one job offer. So last year, candidates were being disappointed because the client would only take one candidate for the role. Now it's turned around the other way. Clients are disappointed because Candidates, and they're, they're being counter-offered as well, of course, because you don't want to lose your key people. You want to keep them. Um, salaries are going a bit crazy. Uh, candidates, in some instances, are being paid more than they're really worth. And it's mm. not a good scenario at the time. Yeah, you're getting twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 more, which great, I've won the lottery. But then two years down the line, it's not going to be such a good story because you're going to be priced more than you should be. Mm -hmm. And then future employers will be like, well, why would you accept this job offer? Or we can't meet where you are now. So I think that will be a problem. I think in a straight, obviously we've got our borders closed. So migration, there isn't any happening. Mm -hmm. um, that will change, but it's it's going to take another year. Uh, candidates as well are reluctant to move because they're worried about stability. Um, mm. um, more, to, more to do with the skills as well um, in the aspirations. Uh, I've, I've personally seen uh, people not just 
think about money. They think about the the training opportunities. They think about what what I could learn from A B C D A I cloud, big data, or uh, you know all that is is what Absolutely. people are looking for. And I, another thing as well, like the learning, the flexibility, the culture has has always been there really for tech people. Um, but another thing that I've noticed, and tech people have always been quite idealistic, which was another thing that attracted me to working in the industry. But since March of last year, COVID time, mm-hmm. when you ask people what they're looking for, I would say probably about 90% of people are looking at making a positive difference and an impact in the world. So whether it's on society, the environment, et cetera, et cetera, or at the very least, not doing bad. Um, So, for example, probably not wanting to work for a tobacco company or some say they don't want to work for a gambling company because they it's not having a positive impact in the world. So that and I think that will probably grow. Um, companies will have to be making more of a positive difference and have more purpose in what they're doing rather than just making a profit um, is something that will attract candidates um, Mm. as well. Um, Absolutely, Nicola. Just just had one question around, um, see, we always looked at the candidate's perspective. So when you look at the business perspective, it's a very tough time for them as well, you know, whether to spend amount of money, obviously, uh, they're not able to spend money, digitally transform, move ahead, stay up, bridge in the competition, and whatnot. So what would they think about recruiting people? Uh, Are there any specific requirements and skills that they are after, especially working remotely, ensuring that they are going to add value at the same time, reducing the cost and operating model? So obviously, they need the technical skills is pretty much a given. But I think, and I have done a few presentations about high performing teams and what people particularly look for. And it's the mindset over skill sets that's really, really important. So for example, having that growth mindset, being motivated, being eager to learn, um, being adaptable, working under pressure, Also, those communication skills as well are really important. Uh, Even more so now in the tech world because of the collaboration aspect. So that ability to collaborate. They don't want, clients don't want people who are going to hide away in a corner. And actually in a remote team, that ability to communicate and collaborate is even more important because you it's more difficult if you're not face to face. So those skills grow even more. So it's not about hiding in your room, just coding quietly away. It's about being able to to do that. Um, What else was I going to say? And obviously teamwork, collaboration, et cetera. Yep. Thank you. I think that's a good uh, list. Nicola, just, I, I want to ask like, two or three things that you would recommend uh, somebody's looking for a job, right? And from a recruiter's perspective, when you give them a call or when you're trying to shortlist their resumes, what are the three things that will stand out or will help you to shortlist Mm -hmm. a candidate or get selected uh, based on your experience? 
That's a really good question. And the first thing I think it's really important to bear in mind is treat the recruiter with respect because they are not a gatekeeper. Um, they're going to give feedback to the clients. And if you're being a difficult person mm. with the recruiter, you're probably, and you, okay, at the interview, you're all very respectful to the interviewer and the CEO and the CTO, but you probably get to treat the tech support person or the receptionist or whoever you think is beneath you mm. not very well. So that's my first point. You don't have to be overly so. You don't have to... But just treating somebody with respect, I think, is really important. Um, also, if you've applied for a job and then the recruiter rings you, do you know which job you've applied for? There's nothing worse than, and which job is this? It doesn't make you look terribly keen. I mean, yeah. I'll say, for example, oh, you've applied for the senior software developer role um earlier today or or whatever but i'm not going to go into a tremendous amount of detail until i've uncovered what they're actually looking for mm -hmm. um so being really easy to deal with i mean there's no real secrets it's no. fairly obvious it's common sense but sometimes it's people forget about common sense about how you're dealing with people um be easy to get hold of or if you're not sometimes people it's difficult to talk because of where you work but you can say for example i can talk to you at lunchtime or between mm. five and six and have that availability don't ghost your recruiter and if you're not interested in the role anymore just say thanks very much but quite honestly i've decided the location's wrong or i don't they've offered a more interesting opportunity where I am. Because um, bear in mind that you're not just letting the recruiter down, but there's a potential opportunity that you're taking away from another person who could be for good for that job. So I think that's really important. Um, so I think it's, it's just that basic respect. Obviously, you need to have the right skills. You need to have the right experience. You need to be in the right location or have a compelling reason to relocate. You need to be in the right salary level. And also, if you're on, for example, 100,000 and you've suddenly decided that you want 150, it's not really going to happen. Hmm. But you need to give a reason as to why you believe that and then... Lisa can say, are you going to be negotiable? And what's going to, of course you're going to be negotiable because that's a ridiculous increase. But what are you going to be negotiable to? Mm. Um, so yeah, having that openness and honesty and transparency. Um, recruiters aren't scary people and they'd much prefer you to ring or even message and say, I'm not interested anymore. Um, than just hide because you kind of we well, think what's happened to them particularly if they don't turn up for interview you True. think oh my goodness have they just not bothered turning up which to be fair tech people are normally really good at either turning up or informing you 
you're much better than salespeople. Um, but yeah, just be honest, just be transparent, just make the journey as easy as possible. So then the recruiter can make the whole experience for you as easy as possible. Um, nice. Good. I think these are great recruitment uh, tips. And uh, moving ahead, I want to talk about uh, your your podcast. I've really enjoyed listening to a lot of your episodes, and I'm keen to know what are your key lessons that you've learned. You know, having those great chats with different guests uh, through your episode. Yeah. So the podcast, the podcast came about. I had a video series. And I loved doing the video series and I had this professional video crew um, and I had it booked in for April of last year. And of course we couldn't do it because of COVID. And then COVID hit and it was all, we were all in a tailspin and we didn't know what was going to happen. Nobody knew what was going to happen. Um, and there are two things I do when I'm in a difficult situation. One is make a list. I love a good list because uh, it just gets your thoughts down on paper. But two is help people. So if you help people, you're taking it off you and doing something. There's no point in just sitting around worrying. So that's how the podcast came about, because I thought, how can I help people? It's called the, the Spotlight Series, Don't Just Survive, Thrive. So it's all about thriving, not just surviving. So I talked to psychologists, I talked to finance people, because when, when things are tough, you need to sort your head out, and you need to sort your money out, because you need a roof over your head, and you need your head to be in the right, right space. So I did that. And then COVID, we kind of knew what we were dealing with a little bit more by about July of last year. So that's when I had series two, which was more work related, HR, leadership kind of focus. And then in September, I did season three. And season three is where I've stuck now. So the first two seasons had 12 episodes. Now I think I'm on season 20, sorry, episode 24 of season three, because this is all about tech. So I talked to guys like you. So, um, experts in tech of course you've been on my podcast um and then also uh startup founders and that's where you learn talking to people and learn a lot about tech building high high performing teams about being about the startup journey but also the human journey as well so when you ask me my the, the question about where I, I've come from and all that kind of aspects. And it really puts people in, in a context. And I love that, finding out, you could say I'm a nosy Parker, but finding out about people and there's so much that you can learn from, from talking and that curiosity and, and everything. Um, and then sharing, it's such a great platform to then share that information with people. And they can learn and they might not be so interested in somebody's background. They want to get to the hard core, you know, tech aspect or leadership aspect. So there are different aspects that you can bring in for different people. Um, so that's why I love just 
I love talking to people, finding out about them and then sharing that information. So Beautiful. So Beautiful. in a way, Last it's been really good because it's, it's been really good to set up that podcast. Beautiful, beautiful. Last question, Nicola. Uh -huh. um, we, if you have observed, so we have a women series specifically because they, uh, if you if you ask me personally, they are much better than men because they take on a lot of things under their kitty and it's not actually coming out um, to the people. So we have started this series. We have interviewed some fantastic people. And the question to you is, how can people, especially women, find their purpose in their professional life or career and get inspired to achieve their dreams? It's, it's a more broad brush question, but it'd be nice to get your thoughts around it. Oh, goodness me. I could sit here for another hour and talk about this. So from a purpose perspective, I don't think women lack purpose. I think women normally do have purpose, whether it's their children or their hobby or an impact that they want to achieve. I think where women have more of an issue is undervaluing themselves. So, for example, um, an advert, job advert, a man will apply if he's got 50, 60% of the skills. A woman will often only apply if she ticks 90% of the boxes. Mm. So women need to stand up for themselves more. They need to put their hat in the ring. And that's not to say every woman, woman but a lot of women do. Um, and women quite often, and I do it myself, they almost need to be given permission to do things. Um, so again, it's about being bolder. So it comes from women themselves. We need to stand up. Um, as what's her name? Cheryl, is it Cheryl Sandberg? Lean in lady. Um, so yes, we need to be standing up. We need to be bolder um, and be driven by that purpose. But then as well, what we need to look at is outside of women, uh, you know, the, the wider environment. Um, so interesting stats, at the current rate, it will be, it will take 66 years to reach gender parity. So when will that be? Uh, 2077. Was it 2077? Yes, it will. I don't think I'll be around by then. Uh, I don't think it'll be terribly useful if I am. Um, and it's, that is quite terrifying about that so we need to look have more female role models and i'm seeing some really great women that have risen through the ranks young women um, in their 20s and 30s who are starting to do some really great things in leadership roles um, which is fabulous and men really the majority of men that you talk to want that as you said you've got your podcast specifically for women men want that and it's not about women we're better than men all that kind of aggressive feminist behavior it's about standing shoulder to shoulder and working together collaborating yeah. um so yeah having those role models we've got more coming out but then also 
the the policies that organisations have um, in terms of looking after families. Yep. Women, this is, women are always going to be the ones that are going to bear children. There's not really anything you can do about that. So making sure that those maternity policies are there, but also men now are a lot more involved in their children's upbringing. Agreed, so yeah. Allowing, yeah, allowing the policies for the men as well to have parental leave um, and, and what have you. I remember I was, this was back in 2013, I was on a panel about gender diversity, I can't speak today, gender uh, diversity. And we were all women. And I said, there's a real problem here because men need to be part of this conversation. And why haven't we invited them? Mm. Men play that part as well. Um, so yeah, I think there's lots to be done and it comes from lots and lots of different angles. Um, but I think there are certainly improvements and it's by having these conversations and by, for example, your podcast and having uh, International Women's Day, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. So it's a great pleasure having you uh, today, Nicola. Some great insights coming through on the recruitment industry. Your story was so fascinating and touching. We loved every moment of it. Uh, thank you for being with us today. Really enjoyed. Thank you very much. Thanks, Abby and Madhu.